Hi, I'm Julie Wake. I'm the executive director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod, and we are here in Wellfleet, Massachusetts on Cape Cod today with artist Robert Henry, otherwise known as Bob Henry. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having us in your studio today. It's my pleasure. It's so amazing to be here and surrounded by this art. Um, and we're really looking forward to digging into who Bob Henry Good. Good. <laughs> who Bob Henry is. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, so I have, you know, we've been talking for the past half hour, uh -huh. all the questions. And, but the first question I want to ask you um, that I learned about you uh, through the great love of your life. Yeah. So I'd love to, can you talk a little bit about the great love of your life? And, sure, and I'd be delighted to. Okay. Selena Treef mm. was her name. Uh, she uh, passed away seven years ago uh, after 15 years of, uh, of uh, serious physical problems. But we met at Brooklyn College. Uh, we were in, in art classes. We were a couple of the very few serious art students in the department at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the students were, were there uh, uh, thinking of pursuing a career as in uh, art education in the schools. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Selene and I were, were both very serious as artists. And at the time, I was engaged to be married to uh, to a woman who, thank God, broke up with me. Uh, so we started as uh, friends. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, they, they used to be, the, the, the studio classes were in the afternoon from 2 to 6, and at 4 o'clock there was a break, so we'd go down the cafeteria. And Selena and I might be in different classes, and I would wait for her to show up. Uh, because uh, she was so, so bright and unlike the Sidalina Treef that uh, was there in her later days, she was very neat. Uh, and uh, her, her mother, who was a wonderful person, always ironed her blouses. And, uh, and she was this sweet, beautiful, young, energetic uh, woman. Uh, and... Uh, and as I said, luckily, uh, my fiancé broke up with me. Uh, and uh, so Selena and I uh, progressed from being friends to being lovers. Uh, and, uh, and I convinced her to come up to Provincetown with me uh, after I had studied with uh, Hoffman for, I think, two years. Uh, and her father didn't like that idea at all. So... Uh, she, it caused some, some uh, problems with the father, but, uh, but we, we, we lived together in this little cottage in back of what is now the Fine Arts Work Center. It was before the Fine Arts Winter, Fine Arts Winter uh, Center started. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was one floor uh, with a kitchen and uh, a room, that, uh, a living room, I guess, and a sleeping loft. And uh, I set up an easels on the low ceiling, uh, uh, made easels that, that were attached to the ceiling beam. Mm -hmm. And she was on one side, I was on the other. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it was just, uh, we were just meant for each other. Yeah. yeah. That must have been incredible to have a partner that got it, that was so yeah. committed like you. To the work. Absolutely, I, I would can, uh, I would endorse any. Well, it depends on the people. Never mind any. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's your tip? A, a pair of artists uh, can get on very well together, uh, and I know a number of, of artist couples who do. And the thing about it is that you really support each other, mm -hmm. uh, no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. You support each other, and that's so important especially when you're young and you're not sure of, of who you are and, and how good you are. Uh, so, so thick or thin, uh, we're always there for each other. Mm. And that's really what made, you know, a wonderful 
mm-hmm. union. The magic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so you were both here in Provincetown. Yeah. Um, so your connection is Hans Hoffman? Is that why you came to Cape Cod? And well, the connection was Brooklyn College. Okay. Uh, but uh, I had previously studied with Hoffman, so I thought Selena might be interested in it. Also, I wanted her to come to the Provincetown <laughs> with me. Uh, so I introduced her to Hoffman, yeah. who was very influential in her uh, development as he was in mine. Mm. Tell me a little bit about the relationship with Hoffman that you had and how he in- inspired you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go back a little before sure. Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a technical high school, Brooklyn Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I was interested in anything technical, but when I was in eighth grade, I had a teacher who, who said, you're good in math, you ought to take the test to get into this special school. So, I mean, I was 14 years old. What did I know? I took the test, I got in. Uh, and uh, and it, it, that affected my life an awful lot because it was an all-male school. Uh, so I wasn't in, in contact with the neighborhood girls. Uh, uh, and uh, after I graduated from high school, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I, I got into Brooklyn Polytech, which okay. doesn't exist anymore. And I was supposed to be studying chemical engineering. And I realized in that first year that that wasn't for me. Uh, and luckily, I had two English teachers who really took to me because I wasn't like the normal engineering student. I was creative mm-hmm. and I, I was interested in uh, things. And they advised me actually to, to quit school. Uh, and uh, I had a couple of friends uh, who were musicians. Uh, and uh, one of them named George Silver uh, lived close to me in Brooklyn, where I grew up. And I used to go over to his house, and in the basement of his mother's house, I didn't call it his father's house, his mother's house, uh, he would get together with some of his buddies and do jam sessions. And uh, I didn't play music, so I wanted to be part of this group, and I had some talent for drawing, so I started painting. Uh, and. Uh, and then I, I realized that that might be the future for me. So I quit uh, Brooklyn Poly, got a job during the day in the mailroom at Lever House on, uh, on Park Avenue. And uh, uh, George's elder brother named Walter Silver was a photographer who was living with the artist Grace uh, Hartigan, okay. who at that time was George Hartigan, okay. uh, given the way women's art artists were not received very well. Mm. And I, I kind of bugged her um, because I was so, you know, not knowing anything, uh, being just a beginner. What should I do? Where should I study? And she recommended Hoffman to me. Mm. Uh, so that's how I got to Hans Hoffman. Okay. And so I started with Hoffman as a, as a relative beginner. I had taken a figure drawing class at the Brooklyn Museum, and that gave me some introduction. Uh, the teacher's name was William Baziotis. Uh, uh And I asked him who to study with, and he also said Hoffman. So I went to Hoffman. And that was in New York. I went at night after I finished uh, my work at the mailroom at Lever House. Wow. Uh, and got, got to know all these other mm-hmm. art students, very serious. Mm-hmm. And the first day I walked into the class, uh, he was a nude model. Uh, and I'm looking at the work of the artist. They were all doing abstract paintings, looking at this new model. And I'm thinking, how the hell does this happen? Uh, and, and, uh, and he was a great teacher because he, he was very clear in what he wanted you to do. He was always supportive. And his instruction, which, which some people who are not used to this kind of thing, are horrified by. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the work was in charcoal drawing on a full-size charcoal sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, 
from the model and he would go around the classroom and uh, stand or sit depending whether you were at an easel or on a workbench and uh, ask you to hand him some charcoal and a kneaded eraser and a chamois cloth and he would start working on your work. Uh, yeah, you gave that reaction, which is the reaction that a lot of people have. Yeah. None of the students saw it as an imposition. Okay. You were there because he was the master, right. uh, and you were there to learn from him. It was very different than studying in academia, mm -hmm. where you have this teacher and that teacher and the other teacher, and one may be your favorite, but still... You're studying with the institution, not with the person. Mm -hmm. But in the Hoffman School, you came to study with Hoffman. Right. And that was his way of teaching. And uh, uh, people say they couldn't understand, some people couldn't understand him because he had a sick German accent. Oh, right. Bavarian, actually. I actually never had any problem understanding him. Uh, uh, I understood uh, pretty much everything that he said. Uh -huh. uh, but it wasn't the words as much as his his demonstration of maybe if you do this. Yeah. Uh, he frequently would say something like, if you took that line and you move it one millimeter to the right, it'll be better. Hmm. Uh, and so what I learned from Hoffman was m m the process of making art is the process of composing. Hmm. Uh, and that's very different than the kind of academic, uh, not such creative approach to art, where there's the, the subject matter and you put it down and then you compose it. Uh, and with Hoffman, you didn't do that, you composed the painting or the drawing. Yeah. And that's what you were doing. So I think of, and Selena did too, uh, as, uh, as uh, painting and drawing as composition. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. Uh, so uh, Hoffman, as I say, was very supportive. He was a very big man, mm. very jovial. Uh, uh, I, I said to you before that I saw him as, as my second father mm. because being a teenager wanting to be an artist rather than following the usual track, I, of course, was having problems with my own father. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, my father, in a way, always supported me. I, mm -hmm. Uh, he, he wanted the best for me, mm -hmm. but he came from uh, a working-class background, mm -hmm. and, uh, and he, was, uh, he was afraid that uh, as an artist, you know, I wouldn't make it in the world. Mm -hmm. He also thought, because I was just generally troubled as a typical adolescent, that I wouldn't make it in the world anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, so Hoffman was, was always there saying, you know, uh, you can do it, you can mm. do it. Uh, I remember once, uh, one critique that he made kind of toward the end when I, when I was studying with him. Uh, I was working on a, on a painting, I think, which he had seen uh, at one point, and he came back to see it uh, again some days later. And he said, it's getting there. In 10 years, you'll be able to really do it. <laughs> and some people are horrified about that. I took that as the greatest compliment, mm. uh, that he had this, this face. One, that I would be doing it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And two, that in 10 years, I would, I would really be competent. Mm. Uh, so Hoffman, for me, was, was great. And for Selena also. And Selena always said, as I do, of course, Selena became a figurative painter. Mm -hmm. uh, I go back and forth between figuration and abstraction. Uh, but she became a figurative painter, and she always claimed she was an abstractionist. Hmm. Uh, and she always was looking at the, the forms of the, the spaces uh, that were not the figure. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, something that some people call negative space, which always uh, arouses my ire, because I think that people don't understand the concept of negative space. It's just jargon for most people. Uh, what they're really talking about is background. And what Hoffman talked is, is there is no background. Mm. The, uh, everything is equally important. You're looking at shapes, you're looking at colors, you're looking at space, mm -hmm. and try to forget what you're representing. Mm. 
even if you're doing it representationally, not abstractly, mm -hmm. you should be looking at the composition, the color, and the forms, and making a composition that has life to it. Mm -hmm. mm. uh, and uh, Hoffman, in his own paintings, expressed who he was. Uh, he was, as I said, this big, energetic, jovial man, and that's what his paintings were. More and more as he matured. His paintings, in my mind, got much better when after he stopped teaching. Mm. Uh, I felt he got trapped somehow in his teaching uh, method, in his own painting while he was teaching. Uh, I felt there was too much drawing in his painting, even though he talked about you don't make the, the shape doesn't make the color, the color makes the shape. It took him a long time to actually get to do that. Hmm. And he started really doing it after he stopped teaching. Wow. So that's a lot about Hoffman. Fascinating. So tell us about how, I, I love where this is going because I'm thinking about, I'm looking at the paintings around yeah. us and you had mentioned when I came in today that these had all been done this year. So the yes. year of 2022. Right. Um, how do you express yourself? I know that you um, evolve and change and don't put yourself in a, in a box. So tell us a little bit about how you express yourself through your painting based on this like incredible timeline and history of work and teaching and, and living with an art, another artist. Tell us about, about your, how you express yourself. How I express myself. Uh, when I, early on, following Hoffman's uh, teaching, I did what almost every artist in the school did, it is I worked abstractly and with a palette knife hmm. and with strong colored uh, paintings. And uh, I was at the school from 52, 53, uh, and uh, somewhere about the mid-60s, I, I rediscovered drawing and I realized that I had a talent for drawing and I could make things up. Mm -hmm. uh, I could just sit down with a pad and a pen or a pencil mm -hmm. uh, and uh, make an image through the process of composing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was really a waste of time and paint uh, to uh, uh, to start without a drawing and to find the painting in the painting. That was my feeling at the time. Actually, I now think that there's no right way, there's no wrong way. And that method of working directly on the canvas produced results that you can't get any other way. Mm. But uh, somehow I was destined uh, to go toward drawing because I think that's where my real talent lies. Mm -hmm. And like I tried working uh, early on on the computer and I didn't do it for very long uh, because my hand wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And I realized that my strength is in my hand. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I have done for most of the past 40, 50 years is uh, I take a piece of paper and a and a pen. I, most of the time I use a quill that I made from a turkey feather, or sometimes wow. with a reed that I get out of the swamps, yeah. uh, and, uh, and uh, sumi ink, mm -hmm. and I just start making marks. Okay. And I start composing. One thing suggests another thing, and sometimes they're totally abstract, and sometimes an image appears. Mm. Uh, and uh, I have hundreds, maybe thousands of those drawings and periodically I go through the drawings of the last couple of years and find the ones that, that continue to hold my attention. Mm -hmm. And then I do paintings from those drawings. So that's my method. Okay. And people talk about, uh, people always ask me the question, what, is, what was your idea when you did that painting? Yeah. And my answer is, Painting and ideas do not go together. I had no idea when I, before I started the painting. The, the idea comes at the ends of the painting, not before the painting for mm. me. Okay. Uh, so uh, it, the, 
to, to have the idea at the beginning tends to be in my mind kind of illustration. Uh, whereas for me, uh, the image is not the Im I don't start with an idea and make an image of it. Mm -hmm. I make an image and then it has some kind of resonance mm -hmm. different for different people, mm. which of course is always true, but you don't always recognize it. Mm -hmm. Everybody sees the work differently. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll, people will see things in the work. I say, Ooh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're a good, good observer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about these um, pieces behind you. Uh -huh. Well, they follow that. Uh, they, yeah, it sounds like it. That, that exactly, yes. Mm. Uh, there were some drawings over there uh, that they started with. Uh, and uh, oh, okay. the drawings were done in just that way. Okay. Uh, and uh, they were done in charcoal. Mm -hmm. uh, I stayed away from charcoal for many years because I found that early on I had been trained in the Hoffman method, and it was a method. Almost, it was hard to tell the difference between one student's work and another. Mm. As a matter of fact, Selena and I put our drawings together in a portfolio, uh, which we, which he lost track of for some years. And I found it, uh, maybe 30, 40 years after we did it, and neither of us could tell who did which drawing. Wow. In most cases, in some cases, yes, but they were so much alike, we couldn't tell who did them. Uh, so, where's that going with that? <laughs> uh, oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I stayed away from charcoal drawing. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, just about six or seven years ago, I, I, got free, I got free of that. Yeah. And I could work in charcoal and not have it look like a Hoffman School drawing. You broke it. I broke it, yeah. So, I did those drawings. And then, I had done a series of paintings, I think, four years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, where I, I decided this is, you know, I, I believe in playing games. Uh, and you, there are an infinite number of games you can play, which is one of the reasons why my work is so various, mm -hmm. because I'm playing different games. Mm -hmm. uh, so I decided uh, uh, I had a drawing and I wanted to do a painting of it, and I thought, well, I would do a, an, a sort of underpainting. Mm. And I thought, what color is the most unlikely color to do an underpainting in? I thought red. So I did an underpainting in that kind of red and worked over it in other colors and framed, uh, I did I think four or five of them, framed them in red. They really look good. Mm. They were in a show at uh, Seashore Point in Provincetown. And so I had these drawings. I said, well, let me try red again. So that's what happened. Mm. You and I earlier were talking about, you know, your process and I'm really curious about, you know, the day. What does your, you're very routine. We were talking about being routine yeah. and structured, yeah. but also the ability to break our routines yeah. and do something different and yeah. be okay with that. Um, but I'm curious about how you get into these flow states, you know, um, mm -hmm. you get in there and you, you start painting and you're there for hours and hours and hours. Uh, is that something that you can relate to or? No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what is it, how has it evolved over the decades of, of your time in the studio? I don't think it's evolved. I think it's always been the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a little bit of an aside, uh -huh. uh, somebody was talking about teaching art and how uh, you know, you get a bunch of students who are not interested. Mm. Uh, and my reaction was, as soon as you pick up that pencil or that pen, mm -hmm. you have to be interested. Mm. There's no way of doing it without getting involved in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm. when, I, when I start drawing or I go into the studio and I start working with paint, I'm totally, absolutely there. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is explains why, you know, time can go by and you don't know mm. uh, how much time has gone by. Although when I was younger, I could work for many hours. Uh, and as I'm, I'm now 89, uh, I don't have the stamina I used to have. So I tend to work in smaller 
two, three-hour units. Mm -hmm. um, and my days are structured when I'm not here in the gallery. Uh, I, I get up, I, I open the computer, do the necessary email, uh, Instagram, Facebook thing. Mm -hmm. uh, play the guitar for an hour or so. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, exercise, walking two, three, four miles. Every day? Yeah. Does that, okay, so you shared something with me a while ago that I think is really impressive, is that sometimes it takes a mile to do a painting. Yeah. Can you tell me, tell us about that? Yeah, well, I think that, what so happens is I measure my steps <laughs> on the iPhone, um, and, uh, and on many days I'll walk around the block a couple of times or go out to the harbor yeah. and walk around the marina a couple of times or, of course, Uncle Tim's Bridge, mm -hmm. and I'll do... Uh, two, two and a half uh, miles on that, and then I'll go up into the studio uh -huh. after lunch uh, and, uh, and then have dinner, take a short nap, sometimes go back up to the studio. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, I've done four and a half miles. That's amazing. Uh, because uh, one of the things that I learned from Hoffman, but it's not, this is not unique to Hoffman, mm -hmm. it's what a lot of artists do is uh, you want to look at your art from various distances. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to be up close to it to put the paint on, mm -hmm. even though some artists like Matisse, when he was in bed, used a very long brush. And I know some artists who <laughs> also use very long brushes uh, because they, it, it keeps you away from the painting and it, it gives you limited control, which can have some, some positive aspect. Uh, but when you look at a painting uh, as an artist or even as a spectator, if you know how to look, uh -huh. you look at it from, the dist from a distance mm -hmm. and then you go up to it uh, and then you go back. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've said this a number of times, whenever I go to the Metropolitan Museum, I always stop in front of, uh, of a painting by Rubens yeah. called uh, Fox and Wolf Hunt. Yeah. And on the right side of it, there's a, the back of a horse. And there's a horse's tail. Yeah. And from four feet away, it looks like a horse's tail. From three feet away, it looks like paint. And I get a kick out of that. And I do that all the time. Every time. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I notice in the gallery here, mm -hmm. some people, especially since that space is narrow, yeah. they look at the painting like this. They never step back. I'm tempted to say something, but I figured, what the hell? What would you say? <laughs> Step back. You don't, you're not seeing the painting. Right. Yeah, but it's, it's there. You have to try it's it. It's their red wagon. It's their red <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Tell me, um, you mentioned a little bit about um, social media. Yeah. I'm very impressed. You do a lot of social media, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, that's um, it. Email. Email. Uh, do you like using social media? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I do it as a way of sharing my work. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good tool to it's be It's a seen. wonderful tool, yeah. 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 Um, also, you know, when you start, I, I, I don't chat with anybody, and there are people who who, you know, say, hello, Bob, how are you doing? <laughs> and I've made the mistake two or three times of, of answering that. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's, it, it it's never weird. ends up well. Yeah, it's, it's weird. weird. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's young women who are looking for partners. They're looking for what? The partners. Oh. <laughs> or, or they say they're a young woman, but who knows who the hell they are. Who knows? Are. I know. Yeah. I don't talk to people online either. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, yeah. It's not and a good habit. Sometimes I explain. <laughs> I just use the, the, uh, uh, the internet for posting my work and seeing other people's work. Yeah. And that's what I use it for. Yeah, it's been a really great medium for visual artists, yeah. especially over the pandemic. Yes. How did the pandemic treat you? What was, it, what was it, life it, like for it you? It left me alone. It left you alone. <laughs> well, there's one thing about being an artist. As an artist, you're in your studio by yourself almost all the time. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes very little difference. I got very lucky, though. Mm -hmm. I'm living here alone. Selena died. My, 
my daughters who I love dearly uh, uh, and who I'm, I'm close to emotionally live in New York City. Mm. Um, and I have two very good friends, uh, uh, Bob Rindler and uh, James Connors, mm. uh, who, who, who I interact with. Uh, but then uh, a couple of years ago, I was at uh, the, the Wicked Oyster. And I was getting together with a group of older guys, and we would get together once a month to talk. Mm -hmm. and, it, and this group of people came in and it sat at the next table. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and one of them, uh, as I was leaving, he called me over and he said, you guys are so interesting, I loved hearing you talk. Mm. Uh, so uh, he, he made the first move, we became friends. <laughs> and. Uh, he, uh, his name is David Simpson, uh, and his wife, Kathy Fletcher, adopted me as a father. Oh. Her father had just recently died, mm. and I reminded her of her father, so they adopted me. Uh, so during the pandemic, I had, pandemic, I had them. Oh. And we had a very small pod, and, uh, oh. and, and uh, she was very careful. She said, I don't want to be the one to kill Bob Henry. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I know. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's how I got through the pandemic. That's incredible. So these, the friendships. I, you know, it's really interesting to hear you say that because a lot of men, specifically, yeah. just don't have a lot of friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's lovely to hear that you've been able to, you know, maintain friendships. Has this been something that? like through your art has brought you together with kind of like-minded creative people. Absolutely, yeah. 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 There, there are a group of artists who have been get to, getting together once a month mm. for seven or eight years now. Mm. Um, that was started by Megan Hinton and uh, she, she called it Salon. Yeah. And we, yeah. get, we get together at different artists' uh, houses, studios. And uh, you can bring a work of art to show if you want, or you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And occasionally, poets have uh, have uh, come and read their poetry, mm -hmm. uh, and then they talk about the art. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and that's a real important connection for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've uh, only got more respect for all the artists in the group mm. with uh, passing time. Mm. Because they've all gotten better, yeah. uh, it's just it's just a very satisfying connection with people. The social part of it is wonderful. Yes. Uh, but also the the sharing of the art itself mm -hmm. is wonderful. So mm -hmm. uh, aside from from Kathy and David and Bob and right. and James, uh, I have that connection. And of course, I go up to uh, to Provincetown to the galleries mm -hmm. and. Uh, for a long time, I was very active in PAM. Mm. I, was, uh, I was the president of the Board of Trustees at a critical time uh, when they were wanting to, wanted to, uh, to renovate mm -hmm. and expand the mm. museum. And, uh, and they recruited me to be the president. I had no desire to do it. <laughs> That's uh, usually how it happens, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they recruited me because they needed, uh, as the president, uh, an artist mm. to have some... Uh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had this interesting combination of, of being an artist, also having a background in Robert's Rules of Order. Uh. Where did I get the background in Robert's Rules of Order? Yeah. When I was a teenager, I belonged to a group uh, that was a, uh, uh, a, cut, uh, an extension of B'nai B'rath. Okay. Uh, and there was a bunch of teen, uh, teenage boys, and we got together, and we had meetings. What did we do with the meetings? We played around with Robert's Rules of Order. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, see who could capture the, the floor. Uh, so I, I was well-versed at Robert's Rules of Order. Wow. Uh, which came in very handy when I came to a meeting with the general, uh, a meeting of the general uh, membership. Yes. And, uh, and they were objecting to the, uh, 
to the uh, renovation, mm -hmm. and I could shut them up if I wanted to right. by using Robert's Rules of Order. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good tool. Yes, yes it is. And I, I still firmly believe in its usefulness, not mm -hmm. necessarily for pe shutting people up, but for running an orderly meeting. Yes. But in most of these groups, uh, people feel it's, it's not friendly enough. Okay. It's too official. They want to be nice to each other. Uh, so, uh, which has its value also. Like I right. said before, everything has its value. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I would love, I want you to come to my board meetings and, and implement this for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a copy of the book. Okay. I think that's brilliant. That's yeah. so interesting that you did that from yeah. a young age. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when we're trained in the arts or go to art school or take art class classes or workshops there's the power of this conversation that we have with our peers with yeah. our teachers yeah. that um i don't think mainstream uh students get yeah you know uh, yeah. i went to mass art so i experienced all those critiques and yeah. you know the the direct feedback and yeah. sometimes it's great and sometimes some days are bad yeah. you know yeah but um the power of being able to to take the feedback and to to think about things and, well and there, there are a lot of art teachers who are lousy teachers mm. there are no two ways about it mm -hmm. uh, what do you think makes a good art teacher well i taught a class at brooklyn college it was a, i was presented with us was the opportunity to give a seminar class in the in the, in the master's program. Mm -hmm. And uh, nobody, it was a very funny department, and nobody ever told me what I should teach. <laughs> uh, so I decided, well, these people are getting this degree because they want to be teachers. Mm -hmm. So I will talk about criticism. Ooh, yeah. And actually I ran, I ran into uh, a wonderful artist named Diana Horowitz. Mm -hmm. uh, who show, has some beautiful paintings at the moment at the Schoolhouse Gallery. Yes. Uh, and uh, I knew her when she was born. Her parents were my good friends. Mm. Uh, but she took that class with me. Mm. And just uh, last time I saw her, she said, you know, I want to thank you. Because she uh, taught her program college after I retired. She just retired. Shows how time goes by. That class was so useful to me in teaching. And... Uh, and uh, what I taught was, don't say good or bad. Mm -hmm. Don't say, I like it or I don't like it. What the student wants from the teacher is the teacher's eyes. Mm -hmm. And what you ought to do is describe the painting. There were a series of steps. The first step was to describe the painting, which is not so easy. It takes training. Yeah. And then there was a second step and a third step, which we rarely got to, mm -hmm. uh, because it was, it was so difficult to, um, to get to just um, um, describing. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so that's, that's one of the things about uh, teaching is, is I, I think uh, you shouldn't talk about likes and dislikes. You, you should lend your eyes to it. But I had an interesting lesson in teaching from Selena. Mm. Selena uh, gave a talk at uh, Southwest Connecticut State College. And I drove her there. And she, she gave a slide talk, which went very well. And then there was uh, an MFA um, uh, critique that she was to give. And there were enough six or seven MFA students. And, uh, and the students put their work up. And Selena said, in not so many words, but you're wonderful. I love it. And I'm sitting there. Okay, that's nice. Mm -hmm. She does it for the first student. She does it for the second student. <laughs> she was a good enough actress, so she didn't repeat the words. But it added up to the same thing for yeah. all the students. And I'm, as I'm saying, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm slinking in the chair thinking, they're paying you to critique the work, you're not doing it. <laughs> so we drove back uh, up here, and she got phone calls from the head of the department of the faculty saying, that was the best critique <laughs> that there ever was. 
and I, I, I realized, yes, what, people, what, art, what the students want is encouragement. And that's what she did. And so I changed my teaching methods. Um, and I, and I, actually I stopped critiquing. And uh, what I did was I'd work along with the students. Yeah. Uh, and uh, fool around, played around with my, on my canvas. Yeah. <coughs> and then when I did something that I thought might help them, yeah. I'd say, come over here, look at this. Yeah. This is what I did. And I never critiqued their work, and I just encouraged them. Mm. And those students are very loyal mm -hmm. to this day. Uh, no, I should take a um, cough drop. I have this condition of phlegm uh, that backs up in my throat and water doesn't do it. Yeah. And I'm making you talk. It's okay. <laughs> Actually, you're not making me talk. I'm doing it very well, willingly. Good. I love this conversation. It's good. Yeah, very it's so interesting. Um, so I want to ask you about, um, I would just love for you to describe your art to us as if nobody's seen the art before. How would you describe yourself? That's impossible. It's so hard. I know, it's, I find myself having a hard time Well, for, for one thing, what I'm known for is being so varied in my art. Mm -hmm. uh, some artists have said to me, more than one, more than two, more than three, you're so brave. Mm. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm not brave at all. But they're thinking of the market. Yeah. And they know that you find an image, a style that sells and you stick with it. And it's certainly true if you're in a gallery and, and the normal gallery dealer mm. uh, wants you to do the things that sell. I'm really lucky I'm with Berta Walker mm. who... Uh, who never pulls that? She loves everything I do, mm. uh, so uh, I don't. I don't uh, have that burden. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, uh, my work is, is very varied, and because I play around, I play different games. It's it's different. Uh, so my work sometimes is uh, is very uh, effusive. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody described my work uh, as as being like this is my work. That, yeah. That, that was the description <laughs> of my work. I thought that was great. That's so cool. Yeah. But it's not always like this. Sometimes it's like this. Yeah. And sometimes it's like this. And, yeah. You know, I'm trying to express the, the entire range of emotions. The last time I saw you painting up in your studio, and, and there's an example behind Tom there, it's, I would describe you like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? And then when I walked around your studio, it there and then it's like this yeah you yeah. know um like big small very um geometry yeah. throughout it's really there's not one piece but it's still i don't know i don't i know i don't think you like when i say this but it still looks like you it still looks like why wouldn't i like that i love that okay good because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i i just you can see it um when you're walking around the studio yeah. it's like wow like this is really, I, I would describe you as fearless and brave as well. But uh, there's nothing at stake. True. It's easy to be brave if there's no danger. That's true. <coughs> the, the, I see no danger. There's nothing that I'm brave about. So, okay, so we were talking about this earlier again, um, about as each decade goes by, you know, so I have two questions. One is, what would you tell your younger self, the artist, now, today? What would you, you know, what well, would you tell yourself? Uh, probably the, the biggest struggle was to believe in yourself. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, um, when the first 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I thought it couldn't possibly good be good, yeah, because I'm a beginner and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, 
looking back on it, uh-huh. I did some pretty goddamn good work early on. Yeah, you did. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I didn't believe in it, and mm. and I think you you have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a way, I must have because mm-hmm. I kept I kept going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believed uh, something about myself, but uh, at a certain point. Uh, I mean, I mentioned to you before, uh, at a certain point, uh, I said to my son-in-law that, uh, that uh, I'm no longer trying to prove anything to my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's true of, of pretty much every male mm-hmm. uh, that you, you have to prove some, maybe to your, some, some men probably have to prove something to their mother. Mm-hmm. It depends on the, on the relationship there. But you're trying to prove it to some of your elders, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, it has to be. Uh, but it's great when you're not doing it anymore. Yeah, and so when did that happen for you? Uh, as I said before, it happened slowly over time. It wasn't in one moment. Yeah. But I'm thinking of when I was about seventy. Yeah. It's it started uh, uh, easing up. Yeah, and we yeah. were talking earlier too about. Um, this decade that you're in, yeah, it's really, you know, it's been a good decade for you. It's been a good decade, yeah, yeah. What do you for one, think? I'm alive. Oh, right. For two, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of healthy. Yeah. I'm pretty energetic. Always. Uh, yeah. Always moving. Yeah, and uh, and I've always been a student. Um, uh, one of the things that Hoffman taught, he wrote a book. It was called The Search for the Real. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, and I always took that literally, mm-hmm. and that the the practice of art was a search. It wasn't about the product; it was about the searching. Mm. Uh, so uh, that's that's what I'm doing mm. uh, is searching, and uh, I continue to search. Mm. And so we have a lot to look forward to in your nineties as you. I hope so. <laughs> continue to produce. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, you know, I, I, uh, uh, and and again, going into the idea of playing, I find different techniques, different ways of, of making, putting the paint on, mm-hmm. taking it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I once, uh, when I taught, I was taught the same thing. Every artist teaches the same thing. You teach what you know, and and uh, the the courses uh, or the classes. Uh, had different titles, but they're always the same thing. Mm. And at uh, one point I had a, a figure painting class, and I called it figure painting, and then a subtitle, put it on, take it off, move it around. Mm. Uh, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh, a lot of people get stuck in, they, they put something down, and they're stuck with the first thing that they did. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, what you, you, you have to build on that. And the start may have been totally inadequate. And, uh, and the painting can never go anywhere if you're, if you're bogged down by the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, a process of, of putting the paint on and taking it off uh, is very important mm-hmm. uh, to, 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 to interrupt what was there. Uh, and again, to move it around, try something, move it over a millimeter, as Hoffman said, yeah. or move it over a foot. Uh, that's how you, you uh, get paintings that are full of life because the, the relationships develop and the relationships reflect the way you feel on the inside. Mm. Uh, so, so through these methods, what I'm always doing is expressing myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what art is about, mm. as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I love that. I'm, I think that's the perfect spot to end, unless oh. you had any other... I mean, I love being around this artwork, and yeah. if there's anything that, anything else that we didn't cover? Uh, well, we covered a lot. We covered a lot. Covered a I lot. feel like I got inside your brain. Mm. There was one thing I was thinking about, <laughs> yeah, just because earlier today I was walking and I met... Uh, uh, a person who's in a book group that I'm in. Yeah. Uh, and one of the books uh, 
It's actually a short story, which I haven't read yet, uh, by Philip Ross. Yeah. And she said to me, I don't like Philip Ross. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, you know, there's this concept that you have to separate the artist, or the author in this case, from the narrator. Mm -hmm. And she didn't do that. She didn't mm -hmm. separate the artist from the narrator. Mm. Uh, and so there are paintings that I've done that represent things that are not terribly likable. Uh -huh. But it's not me that's saying those things, it's the narrator in me. Mm. Uh, so you don't, you, you can't take at face value mm -hmm. what's there on the canvas. You have to assume that the writer or the artist is expressing something that has a more general meaning than, I mean, Philip Roth didn't write something so that she would like it or anybody else would like it. He had to get it out. Yeah. 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 And, and he expressed, uh, Roth expressed things that are, I think, typical of many, if not all males uh, that, that, that women object to, of course, rightly so. Yeah. Uh, but the, aren't you doing a service by putting it out there? Uh, rather than glossing over it. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. So that, that's where I would end the conversation. <laughs> that's so funny. Put it out there. Yeah. I was in one book club years and years yeah. ago. And um, it was my roommate's book club. I lived in San Francisco at the time. And the one book that I joined her book club in was a Philip Roth. <laughs> 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 it, and it, you didn't like Philip Roth. It's a very uncomfortable one yes. to sit there. Yes, <laughs> yes. But anyway. But, but art should make you uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, right. it, there's so many people around here who think that art should make you comfortable. Mm. I mean, they make it so superficial. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and uh, if there's one thing that I don't want my art to be, it's superficial. Right. Mm -hmm. mm. And that's why we love your work. <laughs> Thank you. We love who you are. Thank you. So I thank, appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for this time. It was so my, nice. My pleasure. It's nice talking here. to you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We are again in Wellfleet with Bob Henry, artist, legend here on Cape Cod. Come down to Wellfleet to see his gallery. What are you open? I'm open uh, during the season, Wednesdays through Saturday from 11 to 5. I won't be open tomorrow, however, because I'm going to Boston to see the Dustin show. <laughs> oh, nice. uh, and I don't know how long I'll keep the gallery open. Okay. Uh, today was a good day, mm. even before you came in. Oh. <laughs> there, were, there were some people who were very enthused about the work. Oh, nice. Uh, so I think there are a different group of people who come up to the Cape mm -hmm. in the shoulder seasons. Right, second who, summer. Less, less tourists and possibly more interested in art. So there'll be fewer people coming mm -hmm. through, but maybe more interested in art. So I'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, luckily, uh, I don't have a boss. I don't pay rent. I can do whatever I want. Uh, you've got to come in to this gallery. It's just very charming, very authentic. And, uh, and thank you so much for supporting the arts. Again, I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Thanks for joining us.